Opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the WXU and Duke community. Hello, this is Unapologetic Black Radio. My name is Naomi Lilly. I'm majoring in African American Studies with a minor in Gender Studies and a certificate in Doc Studies. Hello, everyone. My name is Trinaya Anderson. I have I'm completing my major in Kalanth Culture Anthropology and my minor in Global Health Studies. Uh, what's up, y'all? My name is Anand. I'm a sophomore majoring in history with a minor in African and African American studies. All right. So to start off today's show, we want to start off with some advice. So today's advice is from an account called Six Brown Chicks on Twitter. They are a group of women lifestyle bloggers that were recently featured on the Yanla Fix My Life. So today's advice scenario is as follows. Our first date, he spoke about wanting to be a husband and a father. Fast forward six months, I stopped taking birth control and got pregnant. He, what you gonna do? Me, let's do this. You said you want to be a dad. He, I didn't say I wanted to start with you. Advice, please. Team, what you have to say about this? Okay, my first question is, did he say... So you got the pill just knowing he wants to be a father. He, she, he didn't stay with you. You just like went ahead and did it <laughs> and didn't like didn't ask. Is that like, I, I don't know. What do you think? You think that's what, what would happen there? I mean, I guess. But I guess if also he said on the first date that he wanted to be a dad and like you've been together for six months, you know, like, uh, I don't know, maybe. I mean, you can say it's like her fault for jumping a gun, you know, mm-hmm. and wanting to really just go off, go off on like what he said but then he could have specified That's and right. gave her some I mean but also it's like six months of dating and you just now <laughs> saying not with you I mean I feel like <laughs> I, will, I will be hurt like my feelings I'll be are hurt, hurt. Too, I feel like, like oh, go ahead. I feel like a lot of guys just say that because it sounds good though like I know a bunch of dudes who like you date yo you know like I'm not like my age but like dudes who are older like yeah yeah it's like I'm ready to be a father when time comes like I'm gonna take responsibility it just sounds good to say that mm-hmm. I don't know how like much he meant that at that moment like for this specific situation but I don't know I'm not there but I don't so know. you think he was just frightened? No, for real, for real, for real. Like I really think he <laughs> might. Then my just man's been. credit though, because he <laughs> said not with you. So he, <laughs> I mean, he you know go around the subject. He said it straight up and was like, "Not what you sis." So oh, I mean, man. now you say that. Oh lord. So you can't you can't get mad at but him. But like, for that. what is she supposed to do now that she's pregnant and he's not gonna help her? I mean, mm. actually, I mean she she's gonna have the baby, mm. right? Um, you know, as a parent, you you're gonna have to. Pay that child support. Um, <laughs> support that child because it's yours. Um, and call it a day. Call it a couple days, actually, because that's your child. <laughs> All so. right. All right. We have any last comments? Uh, yeah, man. If, if anyone's any males, don't say that. Just don't say it. Because you put yourself in a situation you don't want to be in. No matter what it is, like, you could wait on that. I, just, I blame him for that primarily. But at the end of the day, like, yo, you're right. You're going to have to pay the alimony. He- like, she don't have the baby. <laughs> So yeah, you weren't ready to be father, and you, you'd be father to another child, but like this is the one you got now. So so I mean, you stuck yeah. with it now. Yeah. So unless you be unless those say, don't say, unless you want to be a father to that woman's child, why would you say that to a woman? Right. Like, right. don't do it. Just don't. That's true. Okay. I agree. Okay, I'm glad we've reached a resolution on this. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to transition into date into today's topic. Um, today's show, since this is our first show, is really just about why we made this show, why each one of us was attracted, and what this show means to Duke University um, in our eyes and our own opinions. Well, let's discuss what does unapolo- unapologetic Black radio means. 
Okay. Um, okay, so in my opinion, Unapologetic Black Radio means a station where we're just talking about issues that relate to the black community without it being censored or without somebody trying to oppress what we have to say. I think a lot of times on Duke University's campus, black students sometimes feel like they don't have a space to voice the things that they need to say and reasons and issues that need to be heard. Um, so as a result, this is kind of what Unapologetic Black Radio is. It's a space to just be a space to talk about things that we're not always given the time to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what it means to me. What would you all say? I would definitely say, first and foremost, just, you know, not being sorry um, about, mm-hmm. you know, the topics that we're going to discuss and the opinions that we express um, that, you know, sometimes it may not be, um, you know, supported by other people, but at least it gives people the, the space to come out with the opinions that they feel as though that they should say um, and not have the general, you know, opinion or like the overarching one, um, basically like demean that opinion that is specific to that person. Mm-hmm. So it's really like a space full of comfort. Um, honestly, we're going to try to have fun as much as possible mm-hmm. and, you know, make it really enjoyable, not only to black people, too, but also anyone who can relate. Let's just say that. Yeah, for so. sure, for sure. Yeah, I think. I think it's really good tonight. I think we're at a point where a lot of times, and like especially in the mainstream media, you see this. If you see a perspective that's like the black perspective or like you know any other thing, it's it, they try to view it monolithically, like it's one thing. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes like you miss a lot, a lot of diversity of thought and diversity of mindset in the community. And so I feel like like this is an opportunity for us to have a space where you voice like not just one opinion but a mo- like several different opinions coming from a black perspective that all can be like embraced and not censored by like any sort of general thing. Um, so yeah, that's what I would call it. Okay. Um, I think just a little bit of background for those who don't know. Um, this show has been a long time coming. Um, it was an, actually an idea that I came up with um, my freshman year, spring semester. So it would be about a year now since I came up with the idea. And through a series of meetings, I finally was able to announce it towards the end of that semester and start getting people on board and asking who was interested. Right. And as a result, I got my two main team members. Um, and we've been rolling since then. Last semester, we did a lot of training to understand and how the equipment works and what we want to do. So it's really awesome now that we're in this semester and can really see it take off and can really see this dream become a reality and see it come into fruition. Um, so I guess also I would ask, why were you all attracted to it? So what was your response when this idea was first presented? I'll start. Yeah, I know. Um, well, obviously, like, I know Naomi is, like, really dope and, like, a cool person. And I know that's, like, that, um, like, black voices, especially on campus, like, this is something that can always, like, it always helps be amplified. Um, and I guess growing up, I read a lot of, like, James Baldwin, and I was always interested in the way that black voices play out in the mainstream. And so I thought it was kind of, hopefully, I thought I had something to offer that maybe, like, some, someone else could vibe with or someone else could relate to. And that, or maybe someone that, you know, someone, a perspective someone hadn't heard before. Um, especially, like, where I'm from. I'm from the South. I'm from, like, a small town in Louisiana. Uh, there's not that many people that I get to see like in the day-to-day life like expressing opinions that, that don't go that don't get very criticized and very mm-hmm. ostracized so like I feel like this is a good space to have that conversation and uh, yeah who would want to work with like two dope people like y'all yeah stop <laughs> thank you so, but, um, I would definitely say like media do play a huge role and I think mm-hmm. in society now mm-hmm. and a lot of the uh, like thoughts that you know we take in and um we make them part of our lives come from what we see, what we hear, what we listen to, um, and who actually is behind those words and stuff. So, um, for me, I think also I I watch a lot of breakfast club, which is like Mm. a mainstream media outlet for, um, people of color to talk about music and fashion. So actually trying to 
put this on a campus where it's part of, you know, a predominantly white institution. I think it's kind of iconic and I want to be a part of it. So I'm like, <laughs> hey, why not dip yeah. my feet in and actually die first? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. Okay. Um, all right. So for the next question, uh, kind of just what we want the influence to be on campus. I think personally for the influence that I would like to see, um, I just want people to feel included. I want people to feel like they have a voice and feel like someone is listening to them. I know growing up, like it's sometimes hard for people to believe, but I was really shy and like I was not the loud and energetic mm-hmm. person that I am today. Um, and as a result, there were many times where I kind of just felt isolated and alone and like, you know, nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. Nobody wanted to interact with me. And through time, like I've definitely grown into my being and grown into the person that I am today. But there are still people who are still looking for that space and still looking to grow into who they wish to be and still have thoughts and opinions that they would like people to hear, but maybe just don't know how to get that space for people to be able to listen to them. So I know for the influence, I really just want people to feel welcomed. I want people to feel like there is someone that they can relate to. Someone else is experiencing what you're experiencing. I think especially being at a predominantly white institution, I think it's even more important to hear what minority voices have to say just because we are the minority. Mm-hmm. Um, I know last time I checked, don't quote me on this, someone told me that black students make up 10% of Duke's population. That's not a big percentage. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's. I think it's even more important for us to be heard and for someone to say, oh, like, let me take a chance to listen to someone who doesn't get the space to mm. and get the opportunity to fill up space on this campus. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say as far as, you know, influence, um, everyone comes from different socioeconomic statuses, different backgrounds. And, you know, the way that we grew up definitely um, plays a factor in how we communicate with people, how our thought processes are. And I can attest to this, like my thought process is probably different from like most people that I come in, mm-hmm. that I come across to. Um but I would like for, you know, my impact or um, the things that I say to really be uh, taken wholeheartedly and to, you know, have an impact on people and for them to realize, like, OK, you know, she says some 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 nice mm-hmm. stuff. I like that. <laughs> um, so just uh, being part of this, you know, group with you guys is more of um, creating that impact on people through just talking and giving my ideas or giving my advice or just laughing. Um, And, you know, it definitely goes a long way. So, you know, I think that's what I'm looking forward to as far as my influence. Yeah, totally, for sure. Uh, I think, yeah, especially going off what you're saying about, you know, voices at a PWI, like there's a lot of pressure to create sort of like, because there's some people from so many different backgrounds, there's a lot of pressure to create hierarchies when it comes to like voices or language or just opinions in general. You know, people from this background know better. The people from this um, space know better. But I feel like this is a good opportunity to have like voices from you know places that aren't as spoken about as much to be a little bit amplified and to hear that. And I think that's something that people can vibe with generally. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting to get a perspective that's not yours, and that's always important. Right. And I feel like this is a space to give maybe people who hadn't heard maybe a black perspective or a black perspective from a certain angle before an opportunity to listen to that, and then to like understand, all right, yeah, do I vibe with her? Do I not vibe with it? But like, it's an opportunity to, to hear that and have that conversation. Um, and I think like especially like now where we are as a country or where we are like as a community, this is an important time for that in general. Right. All right. And I think that unapologetically black radio, especially this team that we have here, is also I think I would consider another family for me now on this campus. So I think it's also important maybe to just talk about 
how you ended up here at Duke and, you know, what made like what influence for you was like, oh, OK, this is how I know I can get to Duke because so and so helped me or because I was able to see this role model or because I heard this message that helped me see like I could come here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I have, like, a crazy life story. No, I feel like this is, like, a long time. No, 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 this is dope. (laughs) Years later, they can reference this when you're famous. I I didn't even think I was going to come to Duke till Mm -hmm. probably, like, you don't you know how, what is it, November 1st is the the early decision? December, isn't it? In December? For, Uh, like... Either way, it was, like, I spent, like, 20 minutes on the web just looking at colleges, because where I'm from, a lot of people apply to the state schools, which aren't that challenging, so... Mm -hmm. And where are you from? I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah. So we... um, So I spent, like, 20 minutes just searching. I'm like, okay, I need a a school that... Because the schools that I was going to apply to, they was like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, that's too easy. You're going to need to bump it up a little bit. So I'm like, all right. Got on to Duke. And I'm looking through. I'm like, okay, wait, this this is a nice school. So... Um, I applied. I didn't think I was going to get them because I missed the early decision deadline and the percentage mm. of the acceptance rate go down to like 9%. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay, I don't know. And then, you know, I got my acceptance letter. So I'm like, okay, this is lit. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to come because it was expensive. Mm. But then I'm like, where, do I want to be in debt um, at a like, you know, getting a degree from a prestigious college? Or mm-hmm. do I want to still have to pay and go to a state school. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just jump head first because I'm spontaneous like that. Ooh, okay. And I just like accepted Duke. And then literally like in June, they gave me my financial aid package. And, you know, I got a scholarship. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was just all just like me just literally just taking. I don't even know. I was it was I don't I can't even say what even made me do it cuz mm-hmm. I can't even give you an explanation. It's just all me just randomly doing things out of nowhere <laughs> mm-hmm. and not even knowing the consequences. But I mean it all played out sure. in the in I'm a good thing. So shout out to man. God. Shout out to him shout for out that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. I guess my, where I'm from, you know, in the South, like, I think about 30% of my class even went to college. So, um, but, like, my parents, like, in Orlando, we think, oh, you know, if you do good in school, you can go to, like, LSU, like, state school. Mm-hmm. It's a good school. You can get in. And you can go for, like, maybe for free or something. So, like, when I was a junior, we were like, okay, well, let's look at this. Like, where where am I going to go? And they took me on, like, a college road trip. Me and my sister, who's also here. Shout out, Asha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we went. Asha. We went. And, like, we went to here, like, Georgetown, Penn, uh, Howard, VC, a couple other colleges, Villanova, and so we were like, oh, yeah, Duke is amazing. I was like, they were like, but, um, I think they the first thing they told us like you know the average ACT score here is like a thirty four. I was like okay, well you know yeah. maybe mm. this isn't the best. I know fit. that's right. Yeah, but you know I was like let me, let me we gonna pray about it. My dad was like you know we're you know my dad was always big. God's gonna put you where you want where you need to be. So yeah, you know yeah. don't even stress about it. So we we said all right, well I'm applied because I like it. It looks cool. Um, and so we applied and then we applied to all like the state schools that I'd, I'd planned on and then I applied to like Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. And then I got in, and like I remember when I got in, my uh, my dad and I was like at a pep rally because I play I was in dr- I played drums in high school. I was at a pep rally, and I was during the pep rally. We were out in the field. I was playing. I looked at my phone and said, "Congratulations!" I said, "Oh, yo!" I was like, "Yeah, you won't believe this." <laughs> I was like, and none of my friends believe. I was like, "Yo, you're not gonna." Believe- I just got to do. Like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I was like, "No, you won't believe this stuff, man." And so I, I, me and my, I was gonna go meet my dad that night at like a, a restaurant. We we're gonna have dinner, and so he knew it was like I had found out that day. And I walk out. I was like, "Man." Look, man, and I showed it to him, and it was like a great moment for us. But uh, yeah, man, but none but faith because I couldn't have done it on my own. Yeah, so. that's uh, yeah, it's, it's all faith. It's all it I is. wouldn't have known. It's all, yeah, because I'd been I'd been at LSU or like LA Tech or something. But you know, <laughs> and none but faith, none but God. But it's, I'm glad and I'm, I've been. It's been really interesting being here. What you, Naomi? 
Well, um, I'm from the DMV, so I'm from Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and growing up uh-huh. um, in my county is said to be a very diverse county, but I think that a lot of people there have like this mindset that everything only exists in that county and there's nothing else beyond right. those yeah. borders, right? Um, so I knew that wherever I went, it couldn't be in Maryland. Like mm-hmm. I did not want to be at home. Mm-hmm. And so basically, growing up, like, I remember I was young. Like, I think I was like six or eight. And my parents were like, oh, Naomi, like, you should start looking at colleges. Six or eight? Yes. Like, crazy. I'm like, middle school. Yes. (laughs) Like, you should should look into that. I'm like, oh, okay. So I looked up, I just typed in like top 10 colleges. And the top three were like Harvard, Princeton, and something else. I forget. Probably Yale. Yeah, something like that. You sound like a fish. And so, like, obviously, I saw the first one was Harvard. And I was like, oh, like, I want to be number one. I was like, I want to go to Harvard. So after that, like every year I was like working towards this goal of going to Harvard. Like that was my dream school. Like I really thought I was going to make it. And I got to high school and like junior, sophomore, junior year, I had friends that went there too. So I was like, okay, like I can definitely get in. You know, they're giving me advice. Da, 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 right, da, da. Right. Like I thought I was a well-rounded student, you know, involved in things outside of school, sports, even though I don't like sports, <laughs> doing all these different things. Right. Um, so basically I applied ED. Wait, and- Harvard? Yes. Okay. Okay. And oh. so I remember the day the decisions got came out. It was like, um, we're sorry to inform you, but you've been deferred. So like, oh. that's like not that's horrible, right. you know, yeah. because it's like, oh, you still have a few months. But like at the time, oh, it like felt like a blow because I was just like, this was. I thought this was what was for me, and it was hard because everybody around me was like Naomi, like you just have to wait on what is right for you, like whatever is meant to be will be. Right. And I remember the day before the decision came out, I had asked my best friend, Caitlin. I was like, Caitlin, like, can you just pray that I get into Harvard? And she was like, no, like, I'm just going to pray that you get into where, like, God wants you to be. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, like, and that was so hard for me to accept at the time because I'm like, why won't you just pray for what I told you to pray for? Like, <laughs> um, but so after that, like, you know, I was like, okay, I sent in some more supplemental stuff, you know, sent in some singing, you know, mm-hmm. intro, stuff like that. I was like, okay, maybe that can be what pushes me over the board or over the edge and so then bsai came around which for those of you who don't know bsai is the black student alliance invitational at duke where they invite incoming black students or prospective incoming black students for a weekend to check out duke and you know have their own duke experience to decide if they want to come here right so i had come to bsai and the day we came to bsai was the day that all of the ivy league decisions came out so that was the final decision and i was like okay i'm not going to check it because i really want to try and enjoy this school side note i didn't want to come to duke i only applied because my mom went here and I was just like, oh, let me oh, just yeah. like please my parents, you know, whatever. So anyway, back to the story. I'm here, you know, everybody's checking it. And I'm like, I'm not going to check it. I'm not going to check it. But then that night I was like, no, I'm going to just check it. So I went back to the room that I was staying in. It was like somewhere on West. And I checked my phone and it was like, sorry to inform you, but you have not been accepted. Mm. And I was like, I wasn't crushed. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm surprised that I wasn't. But I was just kind of like, okay, I have to suck it up and I need to enjoy this experience as much as right. possible. So as a result, like I really just tried to enjoy my BSAI experience as much as I could and like I loved BSAI and mm-hmm. that's really what secured it for me that this is the school I wanted to go to. I think especially I'm still friends with a lot of the people I met at BSAI and a lot of those people like we just had such good conversation, such open conversation, people willing to tell their whole backstory, life story right. in two days, which was crazy to me. And also seeing
seeing like how close the black students were at the time like that was just really like eye-opening to me because I felt like I had a community and I didn't want to leave when it was time to leave and I remember when I got back to school I was like dang like I don't even want to be with y'all anymore like I'm ready next step in my life <laughs> you know? grew up on exactly exactly yeah. so that's what brought me to Duke and like how I ended up here but yeah you know so we're making it work I'm making it work that's I'm a pretty so I feel like yeah I've been meeting people sometimes who you know, fix it you know like uh, cause like just be personal like I didn't really apply like any Ivy League schools like mm-hmm. it really didn't feel like it was for me like and then also like Stanford is like far away and I've been in California yeah. like so I just feel like it was for me but like regardless of what happened like I you know whatever it is if I had in there I had got in like I'm gonna be good it's mm-hmm. gonna be okay mm-hmm. I have a bunch of people that be like they're talking about, like yo you know I got deferred from here I didn't hear it's like look man like you gonna be where you need to be like it's all good saying. you yeah, gotta like make everything, it I'm a strong believer that everything happens for a reason so mm. whatever is meant for you will be for you mm-hmm. and like you can't pine after things that aren't for you like you can't just expect them to drop in your lap because it's like if it's not for you it's not meant to be on your trajectory like it's just not so. yeah for sure for sure okay so we only have like five more minutes left so I okay. guess we can end it by talking about maybe like what were some inspirational black figures for you growing up whether that be in media or um, literature music things mm. like that okay so I do um I have a mentor. She was in the WNBA, um, but she ended up, I think, well, she ended up getting pregnant. Her name is Andrea Garner. Um, she's a great person, honestly. My favorite person, actually. Um, so she was my gym teacher um, in high school. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't like her this one time <laughs> because yeah. we had, like, we get four points a day. Mm-hmm. Um, for the class and I remember this one time I think I was talking and she was like Trinaya minus one you got three out of four points and that was when I was like <laughs> uh-uh. an academic so I'm like better yes. throw hands out here man. I was so, give, me give, point. My point give me my point back that was 100% now I'm at 75 like I was oh, so mad yeah, yeah. Um, so we I'm like oh I don't like her but then after that you know we our bond just got like so tight and right. she was the one that just like pushed me to do everything that I wasn't too short if I was strong enough to do or if I was smart enough to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was someone who, you know, uh, grew up in Philadelphia. So she knew how the struggle was and got out and then came back to, you know, help other students do the same. And um, I'm kind of grateful that, like, I met her. And she was someone, besides my mom, because everyone will say they mom, but, you know, mm-hmm. shout out to my mom. But this is <laughs> someone on the side that was different mm-hmm. who really uh, – uh, impact me and was just like I I don't know you like that but we're gonna get to know each other mm-hmm. and I'm gonna force you to do everything that you feel as though that you can't do so when you do it you can be like I actually did it and mm-hmm. that's she's definitely like my mentor yes yeah. shout out to her shout out to her <laughs> <laughs> okay Anin yeah okay um I was trying to think before I go I guess honestly like it's yeah you're right like it's cliche but like my dad because my dad has um really interesting dude like my dad was from the south grew up in Shreveport and then he went to uh, he was a football player all through high school and like he's just like a you know really strong dude he went to like Southern which H- which is HBCU mm-hmm. but like I think his freshman year he got hurt and got cut so like he like he was gonna go, his whole like life plan was like you know I'm gonna go to the NFL I'm gonna be big or whatever and like that got cut off real quick so he was right. in that, he said Southern he didn't know what to do so like um he eventually went on to like, he got a master's from Howard he became a lawyer and he's just always been like um, an example for me of just like a, a way to live life not necessarily through any like specific like, logistical stuff but i guess the way he carried himself growing up was always big for me i'm um, like we, we're from a part of the country where you don't really see many average like african-americans like with a, like an advanced degree or with like an advanced education um like growing up I, watching him like he was a district attorney he was like the i think the first black one since reconstruction some crazy stuff like that mm-hmm. and then when he eventually worked on for the other department he's always the only black person in his department 
And it was just like an example for me that, you know, uh, despite the fact that there's always like obstacles for us, like it's, it's, we can overcome this stuff if we like learn things and like we have community with each other. Right, right. So I guess him growing up and also he introduced the one that he would give me books to read. So like he introduced me to James Baldwin, to Byron Rustin, to like historical figures. And um, I remember like really early on, like he was big. Uh, this is a dude, his name's Edward Brooke. He was one of the first black senators since Reconstruction. Really cool dude from Massachusetts. My dad gave me his book to read when I was like, I was like 12. And I was like, who's this dad? I'm trying to read Harry Potter. Like, what you give me this like boy? Like, no, your parents, you want to read like everybody else. Read. You want to read Harry Potter, like Percy Jackson, whatever. And he said, no, no, you read this. It'll be exciting. And I love that book, man. I was so, it was so fun to read about this dude. Yeah. It was something like totally totally and it was real and i remember just like thinking like if i can study these things like maybe I, one day i can like accomplish something that i could maybe that someone else would write a book about so yeah mm-hmm. he was a good figure to have and uh, you know shout out dad all right shout out to the dad um yeah so mine is also my dad um my dad and i have always like had like a, a difficult relationship just because we're very similar to each other like mm-hmm. basically the same well, person so it's like you can butt heads easily yeah, but right. like there's so much love there um and so much joy there that like i love him with all my heart um but he's definitely been the person that helped me especially to come into terms of my own identity of what it means for me to be a black woman um i remember my first instance with like racism was in the fourth grade i remember i was walking down the street with my god sister and this truck came up the street and we didn't really think much of it because i mean cars pass by every day mm-hmm. and the back of the truck was full of like i assumed like white teenage boys and it looked like an older like white man driving the car and i remember like they all looked at us and they were like hey inward mm. um and we were just like with the hard r and yeah. we were like we were so shook like i remember just being so angry and filled with so much hurt and pain because no one had ever used that term with me and like yes you read about it in books and things like that but like like that's something that I had just assumed was in the past um, which just shows like how naive you can be too at that age but I remember when I went home and told my family about it like they weren't surprised and they didn't have the reaction I thought they were going to have Yeah, and I think that had a lot to do with one they're both from the south so they had grown up facing discrimination all their life but also just as a black person like they knew that I was going to face discrimination mm-hmm. so it wasn't a surprise to them And I remember like it really took a toll on my self-esteem after that because I just couldn't fathom or wrap my head around why people could hate me so much for something that I couldn't control, you know? Yeah. Um, And I remember my dad sat me down one day and just had a talk with me and was like, Naomi, like, you have to prove that you are more than this. Like, your identity as a black woman is so important. And so many people have come before you to get you into the position that you're in, Mm -hmm. that you owe it to yourself to appreciate who you are, love who you are, and be able to express that with others. And through that one conversation, so much changed for me because year after year I learned more and more what it means to be black and what it means to love who I am and love the melanin I've been given and love my chocolate skin Um, and he continues to give me lessons continues to give me hard times sometimes but always has the right things to say and always is able to put me in a better mood if I'm not and always is showing unconditional love so it's definitely my dad so we're gonna make sure your dad listens to this yeah basically basically. (laughs) when it gets rough you know you know yes 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 yes. um but yeah that's our show for today everyone uh, do you all have any closing words I don't know uh, uh, that's all I gotta say <laughs> yeah, no, stay black that's all, that's all we got you know. stay woke yeah for sure our oh, next yeah. show is going to be on February 11th. We're going to be talking about sex because it's going to be right before Valentine's Day. So get excited. Um, <laughs> tune in. We're really excited for that show. We're really happy with how this show went. Um, yeah, I'm happy. Well. Um, but this has been Unapologetically Black Radio, UBR for short. 
We hope you all enjoyed. Just one more time before we sign off. I'm Naomi. I'm Trinaya. And I'm Anand. And thank you for listening.